moment. This is what it says. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. No one has ever seen God, but Jesus, the one and only Son, has made him known. So what happened in this event we read in John chapter 2? I'm going to need some helpers. Anybody want to help me? There will be reward. You get paid for help. Um, in this church, it's not a grace principle. Um, anybody want to come and help me today? Great, yeah, yeah, come up, Jacob. Like, like, I, need, I need a lot of people, actually, so um, as many as, as want to come, um, come. Great, yeah, yeah, Joshua, you come up. Anybody else? Yeah, 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 come, 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 come. If you, if you want to come, come. That's brilliant. Excellent. Great, right. Uh, what, what I need um, is, first of all, I need somebody who wants to be a bride. Right, Natasha, you be the bride. Jacob, you're going to be the groom, right? So you can sit on there, sit on there. Right, this is a very happy day for you. Jacob, can you sit on there? It's a very, very happy day. You need to look very happy. Kind of, kind of sort of happy. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit nervous. Um, it, it is your special day, so you have to wear some special clothes. All right, uh, let's see what we've got. First of all, uh, this is for Jacob. Um, there you go, put that on your head. Brilliant. You, you're not a king, but you're a groom, and it says, no. I couldn't find anything else in our dressing up thing. Let's see, here we go. Got to look your best on your wedding day, apparently. Um, don't know how that works. There we go. Wonderful. Brilliant. Right, what else have we got in here? Oh, got one of these. Don't know what it is, but it looks like something, doesn't it? Is that kind of wedding-y? Jacob, get a little bit excited there. There we go. Well, it's an exciting day. You should be excited. It's your wedding day. Um, very, very exciting. What else have we got? I've got a book. Empty bag. Oh, look at that. There we go. Way, look at that. Right. Be very, very happy. It's your special wedding day. In fact, actually, it's not just a wedding day. It's a wedding week. Because back in those days, when they had a wedding, they didn't have a wedding day. They had a whole week-long party. That's great, isn't it? They invited everyone along to come to their party. It was a really happy time. So you're the people invited to the party. You look really happy. That's it. Good. Can you look happy? We've all got different ways of expressing happiness, haven't we? <laughs> I, I, I feel that. Different ways to express. Oh, I've got a picture here. Look at that. Oh, there we go. It's a happy wedding. Everyone's happy. You can all be part of the wedding too. You can all look happy. Great. Yeah, it's good. But then disaster strikes in the middle of the wedding. That's it. That's it. That's good, Josh. Disaster strikes. The wine runs out. And when the wine runs out of the wedding, 
it is basically time to go home. Um, so can you three sit down because you have to look really sad and unhappy because disaster has come. Um, the wine has run out. But then Jesus' mum says to Jesus, they have no more wine. Um, I don't know how it works in your homes, um, but in my home, if somebody says something like, there are shoes in the middle of the floor, the right response is not to say, yes, there are. <laughs> is it? No, I, I've learned that one the hard way. If someone says that, what they mean is, do something about it. When Jesus' mum says to him, they have no more wine, She's asking him to do something. Um, so, uh, Jesus says to start, he says, well, it's not really our problem. It's not our wedding. We're not responsible for it. But she insists. Um, and so Jesus, um, Jesus gets his servant, uh, uh, tells the servants um, to fill up some water jars with water. Right, so I've got a bit of water here. Um, they had a, a bit more water than this. This is, this is the water jar. It's a bottle. Not particularly interesting, is it? But there we go. Water's water's a good thing, isn't it? It's a bit of a dull thing, but it's a good thing. They fill it right up to the brim, right? There we go, that'll do. I have got a towel ready, just in case. Um, Right, so, um, and then he says to the servants, take some of the water in a cup to the person in charge and give him it to drink. And when he drinks it, he's amazed at how good the wine is. Uh, Jesus has turned the water into wine. Now, um, Guys at the front, how much wine do you think you need to have a good party? Joshua. Seven buckets. Seven buckets. There we go. That, that's not bad, is it? Seven buckets of wine. What do you think, Boaz? A hundred buckets. A hundred buckets. Wow. That's a lot of wine, isn't it? The, the water jars that Jesus used um, contained enough to make a thousand bottles of wine. That is more than what you need to have a good party. It really is. And it's the best quality wine, more than what they could possibly use, and it's the best quality. Now, anybody at the front, can you do that? If I give you this water, can you turn this into wine? Anybody? You can. (laughs) Great. Uh, How how would you do that, Jacob? Could you make this into wine? (laughs) Um, Is is there any wine in here? No. Do Do you know what is in here? Do you know what the chemical composition of water is? Yeah? No? Anybody know? Anybody want to help me out? What's the chemical composition of water? There we go. H2O. That's what it is. Yeah. Look at that. That's what's inside water, apparently. Um, That's the molecule. Bit of oxygen. Two bits of hydrogen attached to it. Lots of that. That's what's in there. Does anyone know what's in wine? Anyone know the chemical composition of wine? No? It's got all this stuff in. I mean, you can have a look at that later if you want. Um, but there's loads of other stuff. There's not just oxygen and hydrogen. There's carbon. Uh, there's probably a little bit of nitrogen in there as well. Um, all kind of in different con- kind of configurations with all these things. What do you say? Anth- I can't even pronounce that. Tannins, I can pronounce that. Flavin 3 oles. is that? Um, all, all, this, all, this, all that jazz is in wine. It's not in water. That's all in wine. Um, So for Jesus to change the water into wine, he would have to disassemble the atomic structure of the wine, reassemble it in different configurations with extra stuff going on. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. Um, The point is, when they fill the jars with water, when they've got the water, there is not the ingredients for wine in this, is there? No wine in it at all. Hasn't got what it needs. Um, And these are filled to the brim with water. 
See, when Jesus turns water to wine, he's not fixing something broken. Jesus does that a lot. When he heals people, often somebody's eyes don't work, they're broken and he fixes them. Water is not broken wine. It's just not wine. Um, uh, Jesus isn't speeding something up. If you leave this for 100 years, do you think it'll be wine? <laughs> no, no, it won't be wine. It'll be very, very cold and old. Yeah, cold and old. We feel that, don't we? Um, and when Jesus turns water into wine, he is bringing into existence something that is not there. Right, you guys have done a good job. You can have your payment, um, and then you can go back to your seats. Ah, oh, these things have got stuff on them. Let me call in my beautiful assistant. There we go. Right. Uh, go and see Nikki. She'll give you something um, as a reward for your great duties. Um, No one has ever seen God, right? We started with that. But Jesus, the one and only Son, has made him known. And what is God like? Well, we look at Jesus, and we looked at Jesus at this event that happened, and it shows us him turning water into wine. He brings into existence something that was not there. And what is God like? That's why our statement of faith says that he is the almighty creator. Now, at that wedding at Cana, Jesus did this thing. Not many people knew it. Only the servants and the disciples knew it. Most people at the party didn't realize where the good wine came from. But Jesus is giving us a little peek, showing us what God is like. That God is the almighty creator who brings into existence things that were not in existence. You see, God isn't a superman. He's not just a kind of like bigger, better version of us. The difference between us and God isn't kind of like you just kind of improve us to a point where you get to God, the difference between us and God is, is unmeasurable. You see, God is totally different to everything else. Now, everything that is not God is part of creation, and the only thing not part of creation is God. God is, is just stunning, with great power, total power. Everything that is, is because of him. And everything continues to be because he continues to will it to be. He makes and he remakes and he reforms and he brings into existence where it was not. That's what Jesus shows. This man, Jesus, at this wedding shows us what God is like because he himself is God. Now, how should we respond to God like that? How should we respond to the almighty creator? Well, the psalm at the beginning said, he spoke and it came to be. And so we should sing joyfully to the Lord. We're going to do that again. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. Sing about all the praise going to him, the God who makes all things and remakes all things. Let's stand and sing. Please do take your seats. Um, we're asking, um, how can we know what God is like? We can know what God is like when we look at Jesus. And at the wedding in Cana, uh, we see that God is the almighty creator, and yet there is more going on. You see, John, as he writes this down, he tells us that this is a sign through which Jesus revealed his glory. You know what a sign does? A sign points to something. Uh, it, it, it points to something else. So what is this sign about? Uh, you, you know, Jesus would have shown us that 
God is the almighty creator. If he turned the water into anything, if he turned it into a box of frogs, he would show he is the almighty creator. If he turned it into stone, he would show that he is the almighty creator. But he doesn't do that. The wedding is ruined and Jesus makes a load of wine. As Psalm 104 tells us, the purpose God has ordained for wine is to bring joy. That's why you have wine at a wedding. It's a joyful occasion. Jesus is revealing his glory by bringing joy. It's a sign, remember. We have to look and see where the sign points. And there's an, an, another little clue as well, something else um, going on. There's these water jars, and we're told the purpose of these water jars is they are used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Um, I, I need a volunteer who's prepared to come and eat some chocolate for me. And anybody want to do that? Boaz, do you want to do that? Okay. Right. Um, can I have a chocolate? Boaz, do you know, do you know which ones you like? Just point, don't take it yet. That one? Is that right? Or that one? That one. That one. That one. That's a, that's a good choice. Solid choice. Well done. Right. Um, I, I want you to eat this. Uh, first of all, can you just put your hands into there for me? That'd be great. And kind of move them around a little bit. Can you put your hands into there? Squidge them around a little bit. That's it. That's it. Good. Good. Brilliant. And then can you just, just show people what's on your hands? Right. Great. Right. If, if, you, if you're going to eat this, what do you need to do? Wash your hands. Yeah. We've got a bucket of clean water. You can wash his hands. All the dirt off in the water. I've even got a towel for you. There you go. There you go. You dry your hands. Now they're all clean. Brilliant. Do you want to eat that? Now you've got clean hands. You can eat it. That's great, isn't it? You can go and sit down and enjoy that. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Um, the Jews did that every time before they ate. Um, at the wedding, before people could enjoy the party, they had to wash their hands. Not because they cared about personal hygiene. That wasn't the reason. The washing was meant to remind them of something important. You see, back in the Old Testament, Psalm 24 asks what is probably the most important question that could ever be asked. It says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? That is the greatest of questions. The question is, all of us people, we are made to be with God. And with God, there is maximum happiness. There is nothing in all creation that can satisfy the human soul apart from God. Only God can make us truly whole. And the question is, who can get to God? Who, who can get to be with God? The one we need to be with. Who can get there? And the answer comes, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Why the Jews had to wash their hands to remind them that they needed to be clean to be with God. Uh, clean on the outside and the inside, clean hands and a pure heart. Every time that they came to wash their hands, it's a reminder I need a pure heart. I need a pure heart. I need a pure heart. But who has a pure heart? And none of us has a pure heart, do we? And if you haven't got a pure heart, how can you wash it? You can't put it in a bucket of water. See, at the wedding, Jesus takes the water used for the ceremonial washing and in effect he says, you won't be needing that any longer. The reminder of sin 
becomes a celebration of happiness. And it's a sign, we're told. It's pointing to something. Jesus said to his mum, my hour has not yet come. The sign points to the hour. The hour that Jesus came for. And you read on in John's Gospel and you find that Jesus says his hour has come when he goes to the cross. That's what he came for. He came to take all the, all the dirt and the muck that's covering our hearts. Take all of his people's sin and to get covered in it himself. And, and then he would go to the cross. And he would die for it. And he would rise again with it all being left. All the muck and the dirt being left in the grave. Now Jesus came and died so we could have our hearts made pure. And with pure hearts, we can go to be with God. Now that's why the water of washing reminds us that we need, to be, we need pure hearts. That's why the water that reminds us we need pure hearts is changed into the wine of celebration. Because through the work of Jesus, everyone who comes to him can have their hearts made clean. And no one has ever seen God, but Jesus, the one and only Son, has made him known. What's he like? Well, the sign shows that God is not only almighty creator... But he's also the saviour. You see, what we most need is have our sin cleaned up. The sin on our hearts, we need it washed away so that we can go and be with God. That's what the sign points towards. Points towards the fact that God in Christ offers to everyone that he will wash their hearts pure so we can go and be with God. And then he makes a lot of wine. If he just made one glass of wine, it would make the point. But he makes so much So much, much more than what was ever needed. And I think he's trying to show that God doesn't just save a little bit. When God saves, he saves all the way and he saves completely and saves into an abundance of happiness. What the Bible speaks about is everlasting joy. That This great future the Bible speaks about when every tear gets wiped away. When all sorrows are banished behind us. The future of life with all goodness forever and ever. So much wine at the wedding to show there is so much joy. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus promised just hours before he went to the cross. Just hours before he went to the cross, he promised those who trust him. He said, your joy will be complete. He said to them, your grief will turn to joy. You will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And and then he prayed for those who believe and for all who would come to believe. And in his prayer, he prayed that they may have the full measure of my joy in them. When we look at Jesus at the wedding in Cana, we see what God is like. He is almighty creator and he is savior. What is so brilliant about that is when you put those two things together. That it is the almighty creator who is the savior. You see, in 1374... A guy called Chaucer wrote a poem, and it had a, very, a line that has become very famous. The line in the poem is the line, all good things must come to an end. We say that all the time, don't we? All good things must come to an end, and it is so English and so depressing. <laughs> but depressing or not, it's just, that is our experience, isn't it? And like when Jesus' mum comes and says, they have no more wine, she, she highlights something that we all come to know. Good things don't last. Moments of of relief and light are quickly gone and so quickly gone. Eventually, every good thing runs out. Eventually, we run out. In fact, I think if we stop for a moment and think about it, 
we will hear spoken over everything, the wine fails, it's run dry. All good things must come to an end. There must be a limit. Unless, because Jesus at the wedding is showing us what God is like. What God is like when the wine runs out. What God is like when it seems that all the good things fail us. And when Jesus shows us what God is like, he's asking us a question. Now, like when his mum says they run out of wine, she meant do something. When Jesus turns water to wine, a sign of what his death on the cross means, he's asking a question. Now, we see it at the end of the passage. The end of the section says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Jesus revealed his glory. He showed what God is like. And the disciples responded by believing. And Jesus is asking us the question, will you trust your life to me? The God who creates from nothing is asking you to trust him to save you. And, and just, just think, just, just for a moment, how that might play out for us. And I think again about those water jars that haven't got the wine in them. They haven't got anything in them that is needed to become wine. But that wasn't a problem for Jesus. Jesus brings into existence what was not. He makes something new. He could do the same for you. You don't need to give him something to start with. Jesus doesn't need our hearts to have some purity before he can make them pure. He's the almighty creator. Jesus doesn't need us to have some joy before he can make it complete. Jesus doesn't need you to have it all together and all sorted out. It's not a problem for Jesus. You see what this water to wine sign means? It means all the good things need not come to an end. Now see, he promises that all who trust in him, he promises your grief will turn to joy and no one will take away your joy. No one will take away your joy. No one, not even death or hell or all the combined powers of evil that we have ever possibly imagined and more so can never ever take it away. Not the accuser, not your past. Not your failed efforts, not your lack of self-esteem, not what other people have said about you or still say about you or will say about you. No one will take away your joy. It's not a problem for Jesus. And when he promises to give you a pure heart and to give you a new life and to give you a forever home and to give you eternal happiness, he doesn't need you to provide the ingredients to work with. Those water jars did not have what was needed to become wine. And we have not got what is needed in us to enter glory. But it's not a problem for Jesus. No one has ever seen God. But Jesus, the one and only Son, has made him known. And what is God like then? He's the almighty creator who is also the saviour. Jesus shows it in the water to wine sign and he asks each of us, will you trust your life to him? You see, with Jesus, all good things need not come to an end. In fact, quite the opposite. With Jesus, all the bad things must come to an end. With Jesus, every tear must be wiped away. And his abundant happiness from his infinite heart will supply your joy forever. And will you trust your life to him? Will you? Are we going to sing with that question in mind? The chorus of the song says, Jesus, take all of me. 
It's a response of faith to the question that he's asking. Will you trust your life to him? Let's stand and sing. Salvation. Lord, where we doubt, where we fear, where we are holding back, please would you draw us near. Draw us near to the Lord Jesus to know that in him we find everything. Please minister your grace to us. Please help us to put our boast and confidence only in him. Amen. Amen.